Two employees walk into a bar. Okay, it's not a joke. Let's talk about two employees that engage in some kind of a non-constructive disagreement. They're both uh, at the same level. They're both at uh, the same team. And they enter some kind of a disagreement. Could be professional, could be personal. Uh, and uh, it's not constructive. It's not the constructive type. It is uh, maybe destructive, maybe politically correct. But at some point, they realize that they can't solve the issue themselves. And they turn to their boss. They decide to have their boss fix it. Except they don't go together. One of them gets there first. One of them go goes and talks to the, the boss first. They, he tells his story or at least his side of the story. Then the other one gets there, the second one, after the first one had already left. It's slightly a different story, maybe because there are two sides to every story. There are different perspectives. Um, maybe because uh, one of them, or maybe even both of them, are lying a little or stretching the truth. Who do you think the boss believes? Who do you think the boss trusts? Well, the boss will typically trust believe and trust the first person to come and see them. Why is that? In this episode, I'm going to talk about why this is happening. I'm going to talk about what you should do if you are the first person to tell your story, your side of the story. I'm going to talk about what you should do if you're the second person to see the boss and tell your side of the story. And I'm going to talk about what you should do if you are the boss right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of the Book of Trust and facilitator of the Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? First, I have to admit that I was part of a story like this. I'm sure that it happened to me more than once, but there is one time that I really, really remember. And I was the bad guy. You know, I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable and open with you. I was the bad guy. I was the first person. I was uh, having some issues with another peer of mine. And to the point where we both kind of got to the point where we thought we can't work with each other anymore. And um, I actually knew from a third person that this person that I was in disagreement with, with, uh, with was about to go and talk to our boss. And I decided I'm going to go and talk to the boss first, which I did. And, and then I came back uh, to, to our area. And uh, by the time that this other person came back, he talked to this third person and he said, uh, you know, I went and I talked to our boss and it seemed like he already knew everything and he already had Yoram's side of things. And, and so I felt like I was coming in, uh, you know, with a disadvantage. And, and that's kind of how things ended up. Uh, we eventually stopped working together. Um, uh, uh, we, we separated and, um, 
But this is something that really happened. And, and I'm going to say that what I did was not what I'm going to re recommend that you do. And, and it's not the the uh, do as I say, not as I do type thing. It's just that if I was there today, I would not have done things the way I did. So there, first I got this off my chest. Uh, this happened. I was the bad guy. Uh, the way I behaved, what I did, I was the bad guy. But let's try and understand why does this happen. So to understand why does that happen, we need to understand why did they even get into a non-constructive disagreement. A constructive disagreement is a disagreement where you can put everything on the table. You're vulnerable with one another. You can share things. You can give really strong feedback. You can take feedback. You, you can close things. You can solve things yourselves. But you didn't get there. You got into the uh, non-constructive disagreement, whether it's the destructive disagreement where everything becomes personal, emotional, and irrational, or, or even the politically correct disagreement, which is nothing was really on the table. The, the big elephant in the room was not there. You didn't put the important things on the table, which obviously means that, that you're not going to reach an agreement. Why did that happen? At first place, why did you have to go to your boss to get it resolved? Why couldn't you resolve it yourselves? The reason is because there was no trust between you to start with. I'm going to go back to uh, one of my, my surveys where I asked people, I gave them five, question, five options. I asked the question, um, how do you feel about disagreements with your peer? And the five options were, I feel that it's unproductive, I don't feel comfortable disagreeing, I avoid disagreements altogether, and on the other side, we can disagree, but it's not personal, we can passionately disagree and remain friends. Well, when the level of trust was low, the probability of saying disagreements are unproductive, I don't feel comfortable disagreeing, or I avoid disagreement altogether, is 10 times higher than when trust is high. When trust is low, there is a 61% probability that you're going to choose one of those three. Only 6% if it's high trust. And by the way, that 6% is only that we avoid disagreement, but it's not, it's nothing. It's zero on I don't feel comfortable or I think that disagreements are unproductive. That's when we have high trust. So 10 times more likely to avoid disagreements, not feel comfortable or think that they're unproductive when the trust is low versus when the trust is high, 10 times more. On the flip side, we're 141% more likely to say we can disagree and it's not personal, or we can passionately disagree and remain friends if trust is high compared then when trust is low. It's 94% when trust is high that I'm going to say we can disagree, but it's not personal, or we can even passionately disagree and remain friends versus only 39%, less than half, if um, the trust is low. Now, I already said that in order to hold a constructive disagreement, you need to be able to be vulnerable with the other person. You need to be able to give them feedback, and you need to be receptive to feedback. That's how you resolve things between you two. Well, vulnerability goes up 240% when trust is high compared to when trust is low feedback, the, the willingness to give feedback goes up 106% when trust is high versus when it's low. Receptivity goes up 76% when trust is high than when trust is low. 
So th these are the statistics, and this is why you even got there. This is why you were not able to hold a constructive disagreement and resolve the issue yourselves. You had to go to your boss because there was no trust between the two of you. That's why you couldn't resolve it yourselves. So the first person went to see the boss. The first person already has a certain level of trust by the boss. So the boss looks at the first person walking in. There is a, a starting level of trust that, that has nothing to do with this specific situation, with this specific disagreement. Then the first person comes in and shares their side of the story with the boss. The boss gets a first impression. There is no prior knowledge. The boss was not there to see what was happening. There's no objective third person to describe what really happened. To some extent, for the lack of any other conflicting piece of information, the boss will assume that the first person is telling the real story. It's telling the truth, the 100%, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But when that happens, the boss is starting to make assumptions about the second person. So if the first person coming in, the way they position it, I mean, they're not going to position it as I was the bad person, the other person was the good one. No, they're going to position it as I was right, they were wrong. So now they're forming a perception, an impression, assumptions at the boss about the second person. So before the second person even enters the boss's office, and again, we're assuming that they're doing it separately at this point, before the second person ever enters the boss's office, the boss trusts them less because they got exposed to the perspective from the first person, which most likely did not position the second person in a very positive way. Now, if the stories are somewhat conflicting, and because now the boss trusts the second person less than the first person, they may assume that the second person is actually the one lying. So I already know what the story is. I heard it from the first person. You're telling me a different story. I'm more likely to think that you're lying than the other person is lying simply because I'm already biased against you after I heard the first person. That's what happens. This is where it's so important to be the first person to get in. But frankly, that's not where I want to steer you. I don't want to steer you into be the first person to share with the boss so that the boss will think that the other person is bad or, or is lying. I want you to actually be able to reach the right resolution. So how do we not get into that situation? Well, first, if you and your peer have built enough trust, then you will be able to hold a constructive disagreement. You will be able to be vulnerable, to provide feedback, to be receptive to feedback. You're not going to have to go and see the boss. So the first thing to, is to avoid the whole situation by having trust and be able to hold a constructive disagreement. But let's say that we are not there. 
there is no trust enough between the two of you. You have to see the boss. If you only care about your side, if you only care about you winning this argument, have the boss side with you, just make sure that you're the first one to see the boss. Okay? But here are a few things that I want you to think about if that's what you decide to do. One, what will happen if eventually the boss finds out that the second person, not you, was right? That means that maybe you lied. That means that maybe you didn't tell the truth. Maybe you didn't tell the whole truth. Maybe you didn't tell anything but the truth. So you did tell other things. That, I can assure you, the boss is going to take very, very badly. Because this is betrayal of trust that they may have had in you. Now they trust you less, much less than if what you told them is the absolute truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So you have to be careful. When you go in first, yes, you do help your boss trust you more, or actually you do that by having your boss trust the other person less. But unless they find out that you're right, what you have done is betrayal. And that's going to cost you to lose a lot more trust by the boss. But again, I'm going to assume that what you care about is not winning against your peer. But what you care about is doing what's right. It's finding the right answer. So what do you do? The first thing that I would recommend is try and go together. You and your peer. And you would think that this is obvious, but, but what I found is that it's not obvious to all people. Heck, it wasn't obvious to me when I did that. And, and, you know, granted, I have to tell you, this happened close to 40 years ago, okay? So I was very young. So th we're not talking about uh, something that happened uh, last week. And, and I already told you that I would have done it differently. But the first thing that I would do is say, let's go together. Let's have our boss help. We can't resolve this ourselves because there is not enough trust for us to hold a constructive disagreement. Let's go to our boss and ask them to, to mediate, to, to find the, the right answer. By the way, there is another good thing about that. And that is if your peer says something that you disagree with, you have the opportunity to respond to it as opposed to, um, you know, you spoke, then your peer spoke, your peer said something, but you, you're not there to, to even respond to that. So there is an advantage uh, for that. Another advantage is, frankly, for either one of you, it's going to be harder to stretch the truth or lie when the other person is right there. It's, it's harder. So there is a higher probability that really the truth is going to come out. Both sides of the same story are going to come out without a lot of, um, you know, issues or, or, or lies or, or, or uh, truth stretching. Okay. Again, you know, I, one of the examples I always give about confirmation bias is when uh, within the span of five minutes, uh, the local affiliate of one of the major networks and then the uh, national, uh, national network uh, they gave two very conflicting 
pieces of information about uh, COVID cases. So at that time, it was uh, the local affiliate said that the number of COVID cases went down 60% in Texas. Uh, the national affiliate in five minutes later said that it went up 81%. Bottom line is both of them were correct. It just that it went down 60% over the last month and went up 81% over the last week. They both provided truth, but uh, they didn't provide the whole truth. They didn't give the full picture. Now, if each one of them, which is what really happened, each one of them provided the information separately, you find it hard to maybe trust either one of them, but, but you know that one of them is not telling you the whole truth or the truth, period. But when both of them are in the same room at the same time and one says, hey, this went up down 60%, the other one says this went up 81%, this is going to be the point where either the two of you or the boss steps in and says, okay, we cannot have this disparity of the information. Let, let's figure this one out. And it's a lot better to do. It's probably only feasible to do when you're both in the room at the same time. Plus, you know what? If you come in and say something to the boss about something going out down 60% and your peer comes up later, says something went up 81%, your boss is going to find the truth and uh, you don't have any control over what they're going to think about you and what you said. So the first step, the first thing I would do is try, well, the first thing is build trust so you can resolve it yourself. The second part is going to be go together. But let's say that there is no opportunity for the two of you to go there at the same time. Maybe you're, you're holding the same job and, and you're one shift, the other person is another shift or whatever it is, it's not feasible for both of you to be there at the same time. Again, my recommendation first would be try and get there, be there with the boss at the same time. Well, my first recommendation is going to be build trust so you can resolve it without going to the boss. But my second is going to be uh, be there together. But if it's not feasible, then when you go to see the boss, first of all, you need to know if you're the first person or the second person to see the boss. It's important because it will affect how you approach it. Let's assume for now that you're the first person. If you're the first person, do not take advantage of your head start. You have a head start. You can set your boss's mind about what's true and about the other person. I'm, again, I'm not assuming here that you're trying to win and have the other person lose. If you do, then, then forget everything that I said. But that's, that's not what I'm trying to guide here. I'm trying to guide you to get to a win-win as much as possible, to, to get to the real answer, to the real solution. So if you know that you're the first person, do not take advantage of your head start. Stick to the truth. Try as much as possible to convey both sides, which, by the way, for that, you need to be able to see the other person's side, which would be a great step for building trust and being able to resolve it yourselves. But let's say that you can't. There's not enough trust. You can't resolve it yourself. At least try to see the other side. And even bring it up with the boss. You know, this would come up something like, look, I know that his side is going to be this and that. And, and I acknowledge that. And I know that it's important to them. But it's important to acknowledge the other side. 
It's also important to tell the boss that you are only telling one side of the story. Even if you're not 100% sure about what the other side is or you don't feel that you can convey it clearly enough, but just remind the boss, look, I'm going to tell you my side. I know that, that the other person has another side to it. And they will come in and they will share it. And I'm even going to ask you to defer judgment until after you heard them. Don't give me this advantage of the, the fact that I'm here first. So please hear them out first before you reach any judgment. And I think it's important. It's even important for you to build trust in you by the boss. The fact that you're acknowledging that there is another side. The fact that you're asking not to get advantage uh, by the fact that you're first. This is what you should do if you're the first person to walk into the boss. What if you're the second person to walk into the boss's office? Well, I'm not going to tell you, well, try to be the first. It is what it is. You're the second person to walk into the, the boss's office. The first thing is you need to recognize that you are at a disadvantage. Hopefully, the first person walking in did what I recommended they do in, in the previous uh, little segment. But maybe they haven't. Okay? So... When you walk to the boss's office, you need to say, I know I'm the second one to tell you this story. And I ask you to keep an open mind. Sometimes, even simply by saying, by asking the boss to open and to keep an open mind that there is another side to the story, you may be reversing some of the bias and the assumptions that could have been created after the first person spoke with the boss. Because you're, you're reminding them that there are two sides to every story. You're reminding them that, or you're asking them to keep an open mind. And maybe that's all it takes for them to keep an open mind and, and try and be not biased against you. Again, very critical that you stick to the truth. Remember that some of the things that you might say are different, hopefully not too different, than what the first person has said. And maybe your boss already assumes that what the first person has said is the truth. Which means that what you're saying is probably not the truth. That might be an assumption. So it's even more important that you stick to the truth here, knowing that somebody else already presented another side. Again, same thing as, uh, as if you were the first person, try, uh, well, not try, convey both sides. Convey the fact that, that there are two sides. It's even more important now that you acknowledge the, the other person's side because your boss has already heard the other person's side. So try and convey both sides, acknowledge the other person, acknowledge their perspective, acknowledge their side of the story. Remind your boss that you are only telling one side of the story. Again, you're going to get more credibility, more trust, more consideration by your boss if you, if your boss realizes that you see that there is another side and that you acknowledge that you have only, that you're telling one side of the story while acknowledging the other side. So I told you what to do if you're the first person to walk in. I told you what to do if you're the second person to walk in. Who are we missing? We're missing the boss. 
Here is what you should do if you're actually the boss. And two of your employees have a disagreement. They can't resolve it themselves. They need you. What should you do? Well, my first step would be, my first recommendation would be try to push them to solve the issue themselves. Um, but, but, you know, be careful because if there is no good level of trust, you, you may be forcing them to get into a very destructive disagreement. They become personal and, and emotional and, and irrational and, and maybe cause violence and, and maybe explode. So within reason, push them to solve the issue themselves. Maybe give them some guidance on how to solve. Maybe give them some ideas on how to resolve this issue themselves because it's going to be better. It's going to help them build trust if you can help them resolve it themselves. Another recommendation is can you get, even before you listen to any of them, can you get objective input on what happened there, what the issue is, from another person, from a third person, preferably somebody who's not biased in any one's favor, okay? Can you get some objective input? But again, keep in mind, one thing that I don't know how much I would recommend is when they step in, when they come into your office and they share their positions, that you confront them with the information you got from a third person. So this is, I look at the third person as Wikipedia, you know, you don't use that as a resource. You use that as something that helps you get context. Okay, so you tried to tell them to do it themselves. You gave them some advice, some coaching. Didn't work. You got some feedback from a third person. Try to get both of them in at the same time. Unless it's really, really, really impossible or really, really, really not feasible. Now, it may be not feasible simply because, you know, Technically, it's not going to work. Maybe they're in different locations. Maybe they fill the same role at different times, so you can never get both of them at the same time. Maybe it's because it got to such a level of personal conflict that it's just not going to be productive to have both of them in your office at the same time. It's just going to be a shouting match. And, and if that's the case, then don't try to get them at the same time. But if it's not... I would try to get them at the same time because it's a lot easier to, when you hear one person says something, just like I said before, you know, one person says minus 60%, the other one says plus 81%, that would be the time for you to step in and say, wait a minute, how can one of them, one of you say minus 60, the other says plus 81? What is the real truth? And you're going to find it out there instead of you heard one number from one person, another person, another number from another person, and you don't have the opportunity to resolve it there. And so now you know that one of them is not telling you the truth or the whole truth or nothing but the truth. Try as much as possible. Whether they do come in at the same time, but even more if they come in separately to avoid bias and avoid assumptions. Separate what you know from what you feel or what you think or what's an assumption, separate fact from fiction. So try to avoid them. Know in your head that you were biased against the second person because of the order in which they came in, because you heard what the first person said and because your brain needs to feel that it has enough information, you made assumptions that were really following what the first person told you. Know that, knowing that this is how your brain works would help you 
avoid bias and assumptions as much as possible when the second one comes in. You have to listen to both of them, defer judgment until you heard both of them and until you really feel that you know the picture well enough. Ask questions. Keep, ask, keep asking questions. Not Don't just rely on this is what they told you. Ask questions. Now, it's going to be a lot easier to ask the, the second person questions because now you have one side of the story already. When the first person came in, the, the only thing that you know is what they're telling you. So it's easier to ask with the second person, but try and ask questions even when the first person comes in. Ask yourself, is one of them lying? Is it that they're lying? Do they know that they're lying? Are they not telling you the whole truth? You got to be careful. Are you sure that you're lying? And you know what? If you're sure that you're lying, you have permission to trust them less as they tell their story. But again, I'm going to go back to can you build trust between them? I think that the most important role that you can have as their boss is to build trust between them so that you're not going to be the person that they always come to to resolve their issues. They're going to be much better if they have trust and they can engage in a constructive disagreement and don't need to run to you whenever they disagree on something. Help them reach a win-win solution. Help them reach the real answer, the real solution for whatever conflict that they have, as opposed to be a judge and determine who won and who lost and make it a zero-sum game. Feel your role as a coach, coaching them in resolving this specific situation, as well as building trust so that in the future, they can resolve those situations themselves. You know, the, the, this phrase keeps coming to my head. Uh, give a man a fish and you fed him for a day. Teach a man how to fish and you fed him for a lifetime. So coach them how to resolve their own issues and they will not have to come back to you. Coach them on how to build trust between them. That's probably one of the most important roles you will have as a leader. That's it for today. Let me summarize it. Timing is everything, including in trust. I had an alternative title for this episode. Uh, the early bird gets the trust. Don't you just love this one anyway? <laughs> uh, when there is no trust, there is no constructive disagreement. I showed you the, the statistics. I shared with you the statistics that I did from my own surveys. That's why you go to the boss, because there's not enough trust for you to be able to resolve things yourselves. Got to remember that there are always two sides to every story. Every person has their own side. Undoubtedly, the first person to go to the boss sets a bias and assumptions with the boss and therefore has a head start. The second person has to fight a disadvantage. Now, whether you're the first person, the second person, or the boss, if you care about reaching the actual solution, the right solution, if you care about win-win in any one of those three roles, the first person, the second person, or the boss, there are things that you can do. And that's what I took you through in this episode. That's it for today. 
May trust be with you. This was The Trust Show. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.